Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, welcome everybody to Wednesday Night Foundations. It's our midweek, and welcome to everybody that's online, that's watching live stream. Uh, We're in the middle of a, well, I guess we're two messages into a series called Free Will. Um, I just want to go over a few announcements here. Uh, I think this Easter um, coming up, well, I will say this first. April 26th is going to be our financial classes, and there's going to be a sign-up sheet for that coming. Um, And then Easter Sunday, we're going to do another baptismal service. So we're going to do water baptisms again. That, That seemed to go over pretty well. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a great time. I know there's been people that have asked me, when are you going to do another baptismal service? So we're going to do that again on Easter. I got the, uh, baptismal reserved, um, already. So, and then also on Mother's Day, just as a reminder, uh, we always do baby dedications. So, uh, that's baby and child dedication. If you've never dedicated your kids to the Lord, we'll do it on Mother's Day. And my wife always speaks that day which I'm excited about. Um, I happen to believe my wife is anointed. Well, I just don't believe it. I know it. So, yeah, that's always good. All right, let's open in prayer. And this is uh, what I have had on my heart and what we're going to continue to do. Uh, I'll pray generally, but together, let's let's pray and just uh, ask for the rain. Amen? Because uh, that's where we're at. So, Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we just bless you. We honor you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and all your favors and blessings. So, Father, according to Zechariah 10.1, and your leading, Lord, we know and we do ask for the rain over this church in Jesus' name. Father, we ask that you would send rain in the time of the latter rain, Lord, and that the fields would be full of the grass, the fruit of your word, because of the seed of the word of God that is in our hearts. Lord, we desire according to your word, that we be a body, corporately and individually, wholly filled and flooded with you yourself. So, Father, then even tonight, we know that your word is a vital part of the spirit-filled life that we live and the testimony that we, uh, we, we, we bring everywhere we go as being salt and light, as carriers of the resurrection of Jesus Christ within us. So, Lord, tonight I ask you to fill my mouth with your words. Lord, as we look to this issue of free will, uh, of your will, and of the enemy's will, of this idea of the sovereignty of God. Father, we just ask that you would open our eyes. Give us eyes that see, we know, and ears that hear. Help us understand and see everything that we need to know uh, for this time, for this season, and for this hour. And we bless you, we praise you, we honor you, and we thank you in advance because we know that we've, you've heard our prayer And we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of you. So we honor you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's go. uh, Let's turn over to. I'm going to do a little reviewing here. um, But if you want to go to Genesis uh, chapter 1. So we'll start it. Yeah, we'll start at the beginning that way. You know, we can start there and end in Revelation in about 55 minutes. How many know that will never happen? Okay, we'll be blessed to get out of Genesis 1. (laughs) So, um, but uh, we're doing a series uh, entitled Free Will. And this series um, is, the the intention of it is 
to deal with the idea of sovereignty, the sovereignty of God. Um, because there's a lot of ideas about what that is. Um, and I think a lot of what people have in their mind when they think of God's uh, omniscience, his all-knowing, his all-powerful, he knows the end from the beginning. A lot of times what people uh, have as an understanding about, you know, like the, the statement is made, God is in control. And, um, and a lot of times what people mean is, is we don't understand what's going on, so it's easier just to say God is in control. Okay, and so to me, um, I have this in me, and it's been there since I probably got born again. I don't know. It's probably been there since I was born, uh, and it's a God's fault, so I'll blame him. Um, I have to know why. Now, that means, you guys hear the kids rocking out down there? Isn't that great? You got her jamming out down there. Um, um, that means... That means to me, knowing why means to me at least having a confidence that I've heard from the Lord on the situation. Now, I'm not telling you I have to know why everything happens to everybody. But I do need to know and have a confidence that God has spoken to me about situations that I care about. Does that make sense? Okay, so <clears throat> that being said, as far as, as, far as the um, word of God goes, we cannot just, we have to make, we need understanding about the subjects in a full picture, not in a narrow one. And so I want to look at scriptures uh, and, and answer those questions. Like just let's let's just take the one God is in control of and and some people think they'll say of everything, and I heard a minister say this, so God is in control of you, everything you do is God doing it through you. He controls every word that has come out of your mouth today <laughs> come on, preacher, preach, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you already see what I mean by this, okay? Now, do I believe that God is in control of the, the general what's going to happen here? Absolutely. The Bible says that he knows the end from the... So he's got to know at least something. You know what I mean? He's got a plan here. But the idea that... Like, for instance, I've, you, I, maybe you've heard this, uh, maybe you haven't, but I've heard different things through the years. For instance, you know, a tornado will blow through a trailer park. I don't I think tornadoes smell trailer parks. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but it sure seems like whenever they show footage of a tornado, it went through a trailer park. You know what I mean? Um, but, and you know, you'll hear a story about like, like an infant was in the house and the child was thrown and killed. And people say, well, you know, God, God is in control. God didn't kill that baby. I think that's insanity to me to even imply that. Honestly, you know, it'd be like if you came up to me and, and, or somebody came up to you and you know your dad and you know your dad's a good guy 
and they accused your dad of killing a baby. Well, it bothers me when people do that with God because I'm his son and I know my father and he's not the one stealing, killing, and destroying. And we need to have a perspective that has an understanding that there are three different wills working in this earth. There's God's will, there's man's will, and there's the devil's will working. Okay? And, and in order for uh, God to move and in order for the enemy to move, humanity has to cooperate one way or the other. Okay? So I want to answer these questions. My intention in this is not to attack all the sovereignty doctrine people. I just want to have the truth. I want to, uh, I want to walk, for one, as a pastor, I want you to have faith. And if you don't see God the way that you should, your faith will be hindered. Because faith and boldness both come from knowledge. And so we need to have knowledge and we need to have understanding in these areas. And I believe the answers are uh, easier than what humanity or what uh, some, some theologians come up with. Sometimes I listen to, you know, you listen to really, really, you know, like people will tell me, that minister is so smart. And I get done listening to him and I'm just confused. Well, apparently they're so smart, they can't explain anything in simple terms. Because most people, the scripture says that the common folk heard Jesus gladly. Which means God didn't send his son to come talk above the people. He came to talk to the people where they were at. You know, uh, most of the people in Jesus' day, you know, when they talk about the common people, you're talking about people that really couldn't read and write real well, you know what I mean? And so he would use things that they understood. The kingdom of God is like a seed. (laughs) That's simple, right? I know Mike Bloomberg might think different, but I know Jesus and Jesus, he'd just come down to where we're at and go, come on, let's get up here. He won't go, well, you don't have enough gray matter. (laughs) Amen? Jesus is that way. He's like, Let's make it so simple that, because really when you think about it, the greatest victory is going to come from your faith. It's not going to come from your gray matter. Okay? So, so that's most important, praise God. I love, Jesus was so great. He walked amongst all the smarties and just asked a simple question that they couldn't answer. Or they would, they would, you know, the religious just doctorates of the day would come to him and go, answer us this. And he'd say, answer me this. And they'd say, well, we don't know. He said, well, I'm not going to tell you either then. <laughs> you know, sometimes people think, well, Jesus would not do that. Yes, he would. Because pride must be hit, hit head on. And they don't really want to know the answer anyway. You ever talk to somebody and you realize they don't want to know the answer? You should just walk away. Don't be emotional. Be spiritual. Amen? You can always pray. I'm not saying you have to hate them. I'm just saying, you know. So the word sovereign is actually, I couldn't, you can't, it's not in the scriptures as that word, okay? But the word sovereign, according to dictionary.com, means uh, having supreme rank, power, or authority. It means greatest in degree, utmost, or extreme. 
Finally, being above all others in character, importance, and excellence. I, I can agree with that for God. He's above all others. He is supreme over everybody and everything. But just because he is doesn't mean he controls everybody's will. In his sovereignty, in his supremeness, he gave you free will. And you get to decide for you. Amen? All right. Praise God. Uh, And we looked at these different things. We looked at Daniel chapter 4 and uh, saw where Nebuchadnezzar thought he was the man. And then God made his understanding leave and he thought he was an animal for seven years or so. And then he got his understanding back. And then Nebuchadnezzar declared after that, uh, he said, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. I guess. You go from uh, having fingernails as long as eagle's talons and, and uh, hair like feathers and eating grass like a cow back to your kingship. You'll go, God, he's God. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so he said... Um, uh, and then he said this, he said, all those who are, um, all of whose works are truth. All of God's works are what? They're all truth. Now watch this. And his ways, justice. This is uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 37. And those who walk in pride, he, God, is able to what? Put down. Yeah. People say, Oh, why? Well, that's God controlling them. No, that's God allowing you to have a harvest on your decision of walking. You don't have to choose pride. You can choose humility. Amen. So uh, this passage shows the detail of the wills uh, that are in play in this life. Notice all of God's ways are truth and justice. This is God's will. Notice those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. We know God does not have pride, so where does pride come from? Satan, right? Pride is a manifestation of Satan's will. So notice the way this is stated. It is implied that the person is choosing where they walk, human, which is human free will. In other words, you can either choose to humble yourself before the Lord and extol him, or you can choose to yield to the enemy and be in pride, and there's a result either way. Amen? So then you have wills operating, and God's will is still being done. It's just not being, uh, uh, you're just not being forced into it, okay? Even when it comes to eternity, God will not send anybody to hell. He will, uh, he will pass judgment on the decision that they made, and he will make permanent what we decide. Does that make sense? I got to make that clear because sometimes people think, well, God's just arbitrarily like, I like Deborah, but I don't really like Mike. No, you're in good, Deborah. Yeah, you're (laughs) sorry, Mike. (laughs) So, and God's in heaven going, well, you know, save Deborah. Sorry, Mike. No. You're created in his image and his likeness. There's no human on the planet that has ever lived or will live that doesn't have, a, doesn't have a pre-planned desire and will in God. And honestly, pre-installed. You come downloaded ahead of time. 
it's just this mind up here with what you're going to do, and then, and then free will is a part of the download, so you can choose what you do with the operating system. Just realize it has eternal consequences. Amen? Okay. So, uh, we talked about the omniscience of God, and I'm not going to go into that all over again, but omniscience means infinite knowledge. And how many know that he has infinite knowledge? Does he know the end from the beginning? <laughs> he does. This is going to mess with your ever-living gray matter. Okay? <laughs> In other words, this is going to mess with your head because our natural mind is so conditioned to the finite that the infinite it struggles with. You say, how do you know that? Because I'm studying this thing before I come up here and give it, and I'm going, Lord, help. You know what I mean? Show me what this is. Because I don't quite understand this. And I'm believing for revelation, and you should do. Amen? Okay. Think about this in regards to foreknowledge, if, you, if it bothers you about the foreknowledge thing. How about the detailed prophecies concerning Jesus? Think about this. The prophetic word concerning the death of the children by Herod. God knew it was going to happen. Does that mean he chose the slaughter of all those kids? Come on, think. I know, you got to really think. This is where the gears are really grinding. Because, see, we think in terms of, well, and this is is always the argument that I hear, especially with atheists, those that don't want to believe in God. They say, well, if God knew, then why didn't he stop it? No, no, no. We have choice. If he stops it, what does he violate? Free will. If you know it's wrong, why don't you stop you? Because that's the real question. That's the real question. Think about it. Well, we'll get there. But think about it right now until we get there. (laughs) What happened, what happened right after God starts questioning Adam and Eve? What do they do right away? Not my responsibility. Not my responsibility. Not my responsibility. Wrong, buddy. It's all our responsibility. Those that will grow strongest in grace take responsibility for, yeah. That's how you grow strongest. That's how you get Out of the entanglements that you're in. You have to go, God, (laughs) that was wrong. But I'm here for mercy and grace. Because, you know, without that, you know how we are. Right? Okay? So, that's how I look at these things. Think about this. The prophetic word concerning the work of Judas and his death. So if, if I believe that God's in control of everything, then I believe that God created Judas to betray Jesus and then hang himself. See, that doesn't work for me. Because I've got to go back to the scripture where Jesus said that he's not willing that any... Come on, Jesus looked at Judas and said, you're going to betray me. What's he doing? Don't do it! People say, well, God knew it was going to happen. But it doesn't mean God chose it. Foreknowledge doesn't mean that God chose it. It just means he knows. 
Amen? I know, how many fight with this in your head? <laughs> it's, 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 uh, this takes consideration in prayer. Remember, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. 1 Peter 1.20, Revelation 13.8. Just as a side note on this thought, it would be an interesting study for you to look at the phrase, foundation of the world. Look it up sometime. Look up the, the, the scriptures that declare about the foundation of the world. In scripture, it really reinforces the truth of God's omniscience. His all-knowing. He chose you in Christ before. See, that's God's will for you. All I have to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, in you, that's, that's the place I want to be. What is it, Susan? I in you, you in me. That's the place. That's the way it's got to be. That's a perfect word that, I guess prophetic word, word of knowledge that Susan had the Lord give her. It is encouraging to know that God in his wisdom has made plans that he will carry out to completion in spite of the freedom of will and choice he permits man to exercise. And when we love him in his wisdom, he works all things together for good, Romans 8, 28. Isn't that great? Praise God. So I want to look over just a few more things concerning the idea of sovereignty. And again, this is taken from the uh, theological book, Foundations of Pentecostal Theology. It's written by a lot of doctors. But it's written in such a way that even I can understand it. So praise the Lord for that. But he, 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 he talks about a few things in here. He, he says this, we have already under the previous heading discussed God's sovereignty over nations and the unseen realm. Some treatment at this point should be given to the age-long controversy over God's sovereignty versus man's free will. Paul writes in Ephesians, according as he hath chosen us in him, I just quoted this, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us. How many know there's predestination? (laughs) Unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That's Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5. This passage seems to infer that everything results from the will of God. On the other hand, John in Revelation chapter 22 quotes Jesus in his final appeal to man and and says, and whosoever will. And what? Whosoever will. See, I will. I will. You will what? Let him let him take the water of life what? Freely. Revelation 22:17. This passage clearly says that the water of life is available to any on the basis of choice and human free will. Unquestionably, the doctrines of election and predestination are in the Bible. On the other hand, we have the words of Jesus while he wept over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together and ye would not. In other words, God's going, come on, kids. And they're going, no. And if you go, no, long enough, God will go, okay, this isn't my will but I'll allow you to have what you want. People say, oh no, he won't do that. He won't let that happen. He will make permanent what you choose. 
That's the beauty of this. You don't think as a judge and his son being a lawyer that at the end of all things when humanity stands before the judge and the greatest advocate of all time that God is going to be found in want evidence wise. I don't think so. This isn't like, this isn't like what we see in the, in the judicial systems here. This system is impeccable. There are no mistakes. You say, I don't know about that. Angels are recording now. And have been for ages. There are volumes of records. Say, oh, they're recording all my wrong deeds. You just get there and go, I plead the blood. You know, you can plead the fifth, you can plead whatever. I don't want to do any of that. I'm just going to, I plead the blood. How are you getting in? It's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. What's the word of your testimony? I have been saved by grace through faith. And that not of myself, but it is the gift of God. You say, what are you doing? I read the law book. Lord, Father... Righteous judge, always truth and full of justice. I point to the evidence on the mercy seat. And now I'd like to call my advocate. (laughs) And that's the end of it. Satan is the accuser and he'll come and try and run the tape and it'll be blank. And right before then, he watched it in hell, and it was full of stuff. But it can't play in the VCR, whatever you want to call it. It can't play because that thing's got the blood on it. I'm righteous in yourself. No, no. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is no longer I who lives, but who lives When God looks at me, he has rose-colored lenses. He sees me, and he goes, huh, Sean's looking clean today. (laughs) So since we're clean, we should remain full, full of the Holy Ghost and the Word. Amen? So he would have gathered. So if I take into consideration some people that talk about sovereignty... This is the way that scripture would have to read if I took into the way into consideration the way they think. So I'll read the other one to you again just so you have it fresh in your mind. But Jesus said this in Matthew 23, 37. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together and ye would not? If God were in control of everything, this verse would have to read, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered thy children together, but it was not my will. Then right after this, you would have to add, therefore, I do not hold you responsible because I did not give you choice. How could God hold you responsible if you don't have a choice? It doesn't make sense to me. If it's already predetermined, then just live. Because you don't know anyway. 
It's like, that. Let, me, let me bring it to you this way too. Why ask God? Well, let me ask you this. Can God's mind be changed on things? I'm going to let them sit. Let them grind. What about the prophet who went to the king and said, you're going to die today? And he turned his head to the wall and did what? And before the prophet got too far, he had another word from the Lord. You say, well, if God says he's going to die, he's going to die. Or maybe God just declared, based on the man's lack of repentance, this is where you're at, brother. And then the man repented and God said, oh, look, the door opened up for another 15 years. Based on what? That man's free will. There's more going on than just God's will. It's not just him up in heaven going, pulling strings, making everybody dance the way he wants. No. Is, does he have an overarching will that will be completed? Yes. So they, you say, where do we come into play? You can either choose to be in it or not. And there's an enemy here working to try and get you to work along with his. And both are influencing the planet. And that's why I have the picture that I have. God's will, free will, Satan's will, and then the arrows. The thought is, there are two plans working. If you see stealing, killing, and destroying, what do you know? Satan's at work. And he's getting, jur- he's getting judgments to come. Because people are cooperating and not repenting. And things are happening. You know, sometimes, well, I won't get into that right now. We'll get there eventually. So, we see, though, in this verse, in Matthew 23, 37, that there are two wills being expressed. In uh, John chapter 5, verse 40, it says, Again, ye will not come to me that ye might have life. In John 3.16 it says, and again, whosoever believeth, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In truth, the Bible teaches both positions. God is sovereign. He is the chief. (laughs) But not arbitrary based on random choice or personal whim. Man has freedom of choice and will with certain limitations. Our inability to reconcile the two positions does not make one position or the other untrue. Our inability to see how both can be true at the same time is due to our finite human comprehension. God can be sovereign without violating man's essential freedom. All divine truth is in a sense paradoxical to us because our vision in reality is only in parts at most 180 degrees. Divine truth is a full circle, 360 degrees. Samuel Fisk quotes Charles Spurgeon as saying, Brethren, be willing to see both sides of the shield of truth. Rise above the babyhood which cannot believe two doctrines until it sees the connecting link. Have you not two eyes, man? That's the question. Must you needs put one of them out in order to see clearly? (laughs) I love it. I love the argument. It's like the the guy should have been a lawyer. 
You know what I mean? It's such a good argument. It's like, well, I don't understand my left eye. Well, pluck it out. Maybe you'll understand it. No, you'd just be seeing out of one eye. Now, I had the Lord deal with me about this statement today, so I want to I wanna say this as well. We should believe God to see this by the Holy Spirit. I do not believe that we will know every detail of everything. Listen to me closely here. But I do believe in looking at the nature of God that he has provided a level of understanding to us that supplies a good working knowledge for optimal faith to function in this life that pleases him well. So in other words, you are not going to know everything about everything. But you are promised the right as a child of God to be able to inquire heaven and get a satisfactory answer that will produce faith and peace in your life. And for me, I'm talking about for me now, okay? So this is to me, but you should apply it to you too. If I'm not getting the answer, or if I'm not seeing it and I don't have that satisfaction, I don't stop until I get it. Even if, now listen to me carefully, I want you to hear this, because I went to Rama and Brother Hagen obviously talked about divine healing a lot. In fact, he enjoyed it. He walked in it. But yet, his own son-in-law died young, too early. His brother passed away. I think he had cancer. His, one of his brothers. His sister passed away. Similar thing. What did he do every time? He didn't throw away the truth of healing. He went to the Lord and talked to the Lord about it. And more than once, the Lord told Brother Hagin, it's none of your business. It's between me and them. Leave it at that. And I will just tell you this. If you legitimately hear those words from God, you won't have unrest in your life about it. You won't. You say, why? Because God's words don't come with unrest. They come with peace and satisfaction. Sometimes people are like, well, I just don't understand this. And they get wound up and you're just mad at God and you need to settle it. Well, I'm going to get the preacher. Sorry, I'm just the spokesman. You can shoot me if you want, but I'm not God. I know people that absolutely hate preachers. Because God did something supposedly, in their life, and you, and now, you know, I'm the next best thing. Because how are you going to grab God and hit him, you know what I mean? <laughs> how are you going to get after him? You can't. So, what's the next best thing? The preacher. It's the preacher's fault. Do you know I can't counsel somebody like that? Unless they're willing to repent? You can't. Well, it's not fair. Do we really want to go down that path? People that make that statement are not judging themselves. Because when you really analyze you, you'll leave everybody else alone. <laughs> That's a word from the Lord, but it's, it's not a very fun one. <laughs> okay? You will because you realize, wait a minute. How am I functioning? You let it go. You know what I mean? You just, okay, I'll be at rest. I'll be at rest. You can even disagree with people and be at peace. Amen?
All right. So, Dr. R.A. Torrey, in the following, sets forth foreknowledge as the basis for reconciling predestination with man's freedom of choice. He writes, The actions of Judas and the rest were taken into God's plan and thus made a part of it. But it does not mean that these men were uh, not perfectly free in their choice. They did not do as they did because God knew that they would do so, but the fact that they would do so was the basis upon which God knew it. Foreknowledge no more determines a man's actions than afterknowledge. It's a good statement. It's a really good one. Sometimes people think, well, uh, uh, well, I don't like the fact that God knows. (laughs) What are you going to do about that? (laughs) You know what I mean? I really like the fact that God knows because Jesus came out of it. Come on, think about that. I really like the fact that God knows because Jesus is the result of God knowing in advance. And that is a sovereign move. In other words, when I think about God being sovereign like that, I think of mercies and compassions just dumping out. It's the goodness of God that leads men to I'm glad he knew. It gave me opportunity to repent. Imagine if God was caught off guard by what Adam and Eve did. Think about that. That's an amazing thought. He's not though. Thank God. There should be some comfort, some rest in you. You're good. You say, what do you mean? God's got you. We'll say, what's the issue then? All you have to do is adjust your will to his. And even if you think your life is good now, it can get a whole lot gooder. A whole lot better. Amen? Somebody somebody do this. As long as you're breathing, you got a chance. You got choice. Tomorrow you can wake up and go, Lord, I know I messed up a few things back there, but today I'm hearing from you. Let's go. And God goes, you know how much grace I've made available? (laughs) I love it. It's so amazing to me. See, the idea of God's omniscience, his omnipotence, and all those things should not instill an unhealthy fear in us, but rather an understanding of comfort. Yes, reverence, but knowing mercy, love, and compassion. Realizing the goodness of God. There should be an energy that comes that is, I know who he is. And so I'm not in any situation that he didn't know about. And Lord, I just choose to put my will in line with your will. And I'm going to say what you said over this situation. And then release grace. And out of that will come what? The manifestation of a greater level of the covenant every year, every day. See, in your mind, you shouldn't be thinking, I'm going to be struggling with this issue for the next 20 years because I've struggled with it in the last 20 years. You should be thinking, God knew already. He made provision. I'm going to be freer this time next year. And you pass on a generational blessing, not a generational curse. Amen? (laughs) I love this. He's so good to us. Okay, Genesis chapter 1. See, you knew I'd get there eventually. Yeah. Well, the problem is you all listen so well. 
<laughs> All right. Let's look at this. We're looking at, if you want to title this, uh, this particular point is uh, point number two, and it's the three wills in earth. Three wills in earth. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And this is uh, God's will is my first point. We have a written account of everything in Genesis chapter 1. We see what was created and the day it was created on. We see the will of God in this creation. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 give us a look into the nature of God. There is a common phrase that is associated with creation, and it is the word good. I believe we see God's expressed or God's will expressed in this. Genesis 1:1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Without form means formless confusion, unreality. It means emptiness. So God's hovering over this emptiness, this unreality. And void, the word void means. Uh, it means uh, uh, an undistinguishable ruin. Isn't that interesting? He was hover, hovering over the face of the deep, and it was an undistinguishable, undistinguishable, that's a tough word to say, undistinguishable void or ruin. And he's hovering over it. And let's see what he does with it. How I many you know emptiness and void is not God's will? Okay, so verse 3 says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4, and God saw that the light was what? Good, and he divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So then evening and morning were the first day. So night and day are the will of God, aren't they? That's, this is before Adam and Eve had to sleep a lot. This is before the fall, Right? So God must like both. Amen? All right. Verse 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, which actually is a firmament is a visible expanse or a sky or of the sky or an arch. That's what a firmament is. Are we arched around the earth? Yeah, it's round. All right. And divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. Do we have waters under the firmament? Do we have waters above? Yeah. Amen. We have both. All right. And uh, he divided the waters from the water. Thus God, or uh, verse 8 says, and God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then, verse 9, God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Verse 10, And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was really bad. He saw that it was what? Good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. Verse 12, And the earth brought forth grass and herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was what? Good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Verse 14, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament 
of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. So what governs the night and the day? The sun and then the what? The moon, right? Okay, now they don't govern in the sense that that they dictate, but they govern in the sense that they are the sign that this is the night and this is the... Okay, all right. Verse 17, God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. God likes light. Verse 18, and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was what? Good. So then evening and morning were the fourth day. Verse 20, then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth. Across the face of the firmament of the heavens. Verse 21. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves. With which the waters abounded according to their kind. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was what? And verse 22. God did what to them? Cursed them. He did what? He blessed them. He blessed them. He said be fruitful and... And fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Verse 23, so evening and morning were the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. See, we're not supposed to kill the cows. God knew, God's not in heaven going, you guys need to get rid of those cows because it's killing the ozone. Contrary to what science thinks they know, it's just best not to listen to some politicians. Okay, moving on. (laughs) And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind, the cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was what? Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. How are you made? In God's image and likeness, correct? Okay. Let them have dominion. Let them have what? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over the earth, and over what? Every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So you ladies have authority over all creeps. In the name of Jesus, come on, use your authority. (laughs) So God created man in his own image. In whose image? And in the image of God, he created him male and... How many genders are there? That's it. (laughs) Good preaching. Okay. Excuse me. He created them. Verse 28. Then God did what? He what? Is it God's will to bless you? Absolutely. You are blessed. And that's not my word. Amen. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. 
So should we try and save the planet by wiping out half the population or three quarters of the... Hmm. I wonder if that's a demonic doctrine. Did God know how many people would end up on the earth? Don't let the school put something else in your kids' heads. People say, oh, I'm not going to, you know, I send my kids to public school. You say, what do you do? I argue what they bring to me. You say, what do you mean by that? I love to argue some things. And I load my kids before they go back to school. I do. Well, you're teaching them to be disrespectful. No, I teach them to be respectful. I just teach them not to swallow junk. Just because the teacher went to college and lost his brain doesn't mean my kid has to. And I will debate any of them. It does not matter to me. I'm not afraid. I'm not going in there half-cocked anyway. Now, if you don't know, now my kids will come and go, I know this isn't right, Dad. And I'll look at them and go, tell me why. I'm tougher on them than those teachers will ever be. Tell me why. Well, I just know it's wrong. That's not good enough. Figure out why. And then go from there. Now what are you doing? Now I've armed a weapon. It's a weapon of mass instruction. All right. (laughs) Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and what? Hint, hint. Have dominion. Subdue. What is coming? Like Jesse Duplantis says, snakes coming. These are not dummies God is talking to. These are, these are humans that have been made in the image and likeness of who? Now, do they have all the knowledge of God? No. God, that was designed to come about through relationship. So what does the devil know he has to do? To be able to pervert, the, to, to pervert the plan of God for his creation. He has to disrupt a relationship. Right? Okay. Verse 29. Oh, I'm going to finish the other one. He said, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that what? Did the snake move on the earth? Yes. And God said, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, every, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth, it will be in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God said everything that he made, saw everything that he made, and indeed it was what? Very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to... To tend and to what? Keep it. How are you going to keep something? You better have dominion and you better be able to subdue. How are you going to keep your life that God's given you? Dominion, subdue. Remember, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. You have authority. So he says, verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day, in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. God's will is that man be in the very good, blessed, and multiplying creation he has given. God's will for man is that he eat of all the trees that are available in the Garden of Eden and that he abstain from one. A key to overcoming temptation is to focus on what you can do and not what you can't. Stop thinking about what you can't do. Just put it out. No, that's not for me. And start thinking about what you can do. There's a whole lot of trees to eat from. Right? Whew, glory. Notice that the thing that was outside of God's will caused death. <laughs> the thing that was outside of his will caused death. Everything inside of his will was blessed, fruitful, multiplied. It was anointed. It was given. It was graced. It was empowered. It had life and eternal life attached to it. What's more important, knowing good and evil or eating the tree of life? Whoo. Eating the tree of life. Amen? So God's will is seen here. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, we see Satan's will. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the... Of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Did God say, Don't touch it, lest you die? No, He did not. And did God say you sh uh, that they could eat of... of uh, well, let me read this again. It says, uh, But the fruit... She says, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Did God say that? Now you're all going to look. She omitted the word freely. She's not thinking right. Why? She's been listening to somebody who has a what? Alternate will. What is, what is in the middle of the tension right now? Her free will. What's going on? There's covenant words on one side. And there's a deception on the other. And what's in the middle? Her will. And God has given this, his creation, man and woman, he's given them what? Dominion. So what does Satan understand? If I can get in her will and Adam's will and get them to do my will, I'll have access to their Dominion. In other words, God has given free will to us. And really, if you look at the, the image that I have between God and, and Satan, on this earth, overall, of course, God is the all-powerful. But in this earth, you, I don't think we realize how strong our free will is. I think we underestimate it by a mile, and I think it's an excuse that people say, well, God's just in control of everything, so it just happened, or the devil made me do it. Come on, we like both ends, but what don't we like? The middle one. Why? Because it puts the responsibility where? On me. 
But if I put my will in line with God's will, there is a pipeline of Holy Ghost resurrection power to be able to enact God's will on the earth. And you know how good God is in his sovereignty? He'll just dump out showers of his compassions to show those who don't even have a clue who he is, maybe even mocking him how good he is. <laughs> I just think about it and I go, you know, if I was God, I might just torch it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, just, kapoof. You know, you know, have another meeting, Holy Ghost. Jesus, you know, we we get along. We can make the angels do what they want, what they what we want them to do. We could have the devil out of our hair in no time, but God is such a lover. It's worth the risk of you not choosing him. For the risk for the for the blessing that those for those who will yeah, that's a good word. I will. Lord, you can have me because I want you. I see who you are. I see how good you are. And I'm like, whew. Knowledge, true knowledge of God. And I'm not there, but I'm seeing it more and more. True knowledge of God's goodness is so captivating, empowering, and motivating that it will cause a person to be killed for the sake of a testimony that God is good. Whew. I mean, we need to tap something at another level. You know what I mean? I mean, you go to that place and it's not that God doesn't really... Do you know why God deals with sin the way he does? Because it'll kill you. Not because he's in heaven going, disobedient kids are... That's not... He's not that way. He's not like your dad was. You know what I mean? That's not the issue. The issue is he's reaching out going, come on, you're going to go... It's going to hurt you, you do that. You know what most people... But, and, and we have a lot of this today in rebellion... And we'll talk about, we'll look at, next week, we'll look at the free will side of things even more. But there's a lot of this today. They want to not have the consequence of choice. And just have all the benefits of intimacy with God. I'll put it to you like this. People want all the feels, but they don't want pregnancy. I don't need to go into great detail here, do I? You, you say, what do you mean by that? They want a fling with God, not a marriage. I will not do that. You say, you've never made a mistake. Oh, I've made mistakes, but I'm married. I'm never going back. There's no divorce court with me with God. You know what I mean? People do. That's what they, The church today, that's what they want. In, I shouldn't say that, not all of them, because that's not fair. There's a bunch that want intimacy with the Lord and for their families. But, but I'm telling you, 
in much of the church today. It's, oh, we'll just make this service really short. Will you just please come? Oh, oh, just do a devotion little card, an index card. Not even an index card. It's like a gaming card, you know, like the, yeah, it's like a poker card, you know. You, what does it say? Jesus wept. Oh, I read my word today. And then they go on about their day, and they don't even think about God. And listen, a lot of them, they are truly ignorant, and they're dying inside. And I'm talking about Christians, not unsaved people, and they have no fullness of relationship. That's why us as the church need to be so full that when somebody gets around you that is saved, they're like, what's different about you? Oh, I'm overflowing. Say, what do you mean? Well, I spend time with God all the time. Not sometimes. Now, people have this in their mind. They think, well, you must read and pray a lot. Well, sure. But during the day, I pray in in the Spirit, pray in other tongues while I'm driving down the road. I may do it under my breath while I'm looking at you. And even when I'm talking to you, you know who else I'm aware of? inside why because because i have the nature of my father inside of me and he cares about jesus said i didn't come to be but to and when your identity's in him your insecurities become nothing i'm not fully there yet but i'm getting there how about you I'm learning more and more. Father, we thank you for tonight and your goodness. Lord, we just ask for the rain. (laughs) Thank you for the rain, Lord. Father, thank you for your understanding, your truth that is shaping us, that is transforming us, Lord, that you are raising up your church, that you are infusing and transforming the way we think with the riches of your glory. You're changing our innermost being and personality in conforming to the resurrection that already resides in our spirits. Our souls are being wholly filled and flooded with your presence, even as the apostles did, Lord, in the New Testament, where the, the very resurrection of your nature, the Christ, oozed out of their pores, out of their clothing, Lord. That you are causing us to rise up in your grace and mercy and in your understanding and by your empowerment. That you who began a good work in us will complete it. We believe you to complete it. Come on, just out of your own heart right now, just say this with me. Say, Lord, I will that your will is completed in me. And Father, we, con- we, we confess that, we declare that. And Lord, we will not, we will do as Paul said, we forget the things that are behind. We continue to press forward to the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We will believe you and expect for heaven to be loosed in this place, in our lives, and in this city. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, see you Sunday. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.